Bad leaders are everyone's worst nightmare, giving you the ultimate playbook to lead, inspire, and grow your team. Better tech leadership powered by BrainHub. Marcos, I'm really happy to have you here today. Um, I really want to tackle the digitalization, and you are involved in many di many digital transformation, especially for quite um, established company, which are on the market for a, a really, really long time with, uh, with thousands of people. And maybe we can start with, with this. We talked before that you work in a heavy industry and you made really interesting innovation there with the team. Could you tell about this innovation and the company? Yes, of course. So thanks a lot, first of all, to be here today, Matt. Very happy to be part of your, your podcast and yeah that I can tell some stories and some information um, about myself, about what I did and what I do, of course. And um, yeah, coming back to your question, I, I have quite some experience in digital transformation. Um, when I look back, the last station I was, um, was in machine industry. So I worked for United Grinding, which is a machine holding company with different brands. And Before I worked in, in chemical industry, also in digital transformation, I also worked in insurance and, and also as a consultant. And um, yeah, the last big innovation where I was involved was in the machine industry. And that was um, called Core. Core is like, you can imagine, a very big smartphone. And um, it's a full multi-touch screen it's uh, camera integrated it's like a big smartphone with apps fully customizable and um, you can just use that to steer big machines and um, the, the exciting thing or, or story about is it you can steer all machines of united grinding group and that means it doesn't matter if you produce a, a high quality drill or if you produce parts for a plane turbine with a very big megale machine, it's all the same technology. And even uh, a new innovation was a 3D printer, metal printer, very big metal printer, around 10 tons, so quite a big thing. And even the metal printer is running on the same system. And that's a big innovation to make harmonize the user experience completely for all machines and also to to um, build one software for everything. Nice. And how about the problem that I think many leaders are facing while joining an organization which is pretty big and established and it's really hard to change people. And on a, and on a level of digital transformation, you need to change the mindset of people inside the company. So do you have any best practices or how do you approach it? Uh, To, to make it possible to make your work, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I always um, tell to people it's the, it's the biggest thing to change the mindset. It's the biggest thing to work on the culture side. It's not the technology. The te technology is supporting it. And most of the time, it's, um, yeah, it's the easier part. The big part is changing how people think, how people react, how people work. And... Um, If you think of culture, it's a lot which influences the culture of a company. For example, if you think of cross-silo cooperation, if you think of failure culture, 
if you think all of these things, how you work together. And often in a classical company, you come from very hierarchical structures. You have a very, often very classical top-down approach, which goes from the top to the bottom into the hierarchy. And this is not how, how companies work today. So today you have a communication everywhere. And changing that is a, is a long-term journey. So changing that means um, involvement, first of all, of the top management. Very important. You need a support from the top. And um, then you need to have programs. You need to have um, whole change management programs, which run not only some months, which run for some years and change and transform the way you work and the way you you um, are successful in the end as a company. And and if you think, for example, um, if you think of innovation, bringing innovation into a company, that's a big, big thing to change the mindset and to open up to all the people that everybody can bring his ideas in. And that makes companies today successful. And how about talking with this uh, top management, right? How to approach that, how to bring them on your side. I think this is usually really difficult, right? If you are entering a new company as a leader and nobody knows you, you don't have the trust. So do you have your approach, do you have your own approach, how to do it? Like, I, I think important, a uh, very important part is to do digital transformation, not only just to do it. Because it's a trend, everybody does it, everybody does AI, everybody does blockchains, whatever. It's it's more like finding the fitting cases for your industry, which fits really to your company and to your culture and to your ideas, and also making money with them, showing that it's a new cash flow stream. And and that's the important part because it it can also stabilize the, the whole cash flow of a company. If you think of machine industry, it's it's an industry where you have very highs and very downs. So, so that means really if there is a crisis, it, it just breaks down the turnover by 20, 30, 40, 50 percent in some companies. And um, digital technologies with subscription models can really stabilize that. And I think that's the key point to convince the management with, um, yeah, with models, with business models, which can help to stabilize and grow the company. It makes sense. Money always solves <laughs> the problems. Um, and at your job, who is your partner in crime? I mean, like when you have like CPO, usually it's working with the CDO and they are talking like how to make it possible with the technology of the product and how to deliver the results. So in your case, do you have the partners in crime? So, so um, perhaps coming back to to the organization, how how should you organize that? And I made several experiences with that in different companies. And what I see is um, digital transformation should be something separate. It's not IT, and often it's um, a little bit confusing if you connect it directly into the IT because the IT has another idea. IT is running and implementing systems and running them cheap. And if you think of digital transformation, it's more the things, trying things, trying them on the markets and going forward with the ideas that run and stopping other ideas. So it's another mindset. And that's why I think you need really a separate organization for that. 
and not mix it up with existing ones. And I think also the separate organizations should be somehow possible to connect with all your business departments, working very close together with the business and because in the business are the ideas normally, right? So you need these ideas to try something on the market. Oh, okay. It makes sense. So I have a question that I wanted to ask about the OKRs or KPIs. When do you feel that this transformation is being successful or getting, you know, is on the way to be successful? But I suppose this is mostly around the revenue generated or the profits or the cost, cost saving, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I see it also that way. So in the end, what, what I did was always um, I, I made a kind of strategy related to outside. So that means developing new products, digital products, products that support the existing physical world and making money with them, of course, creating turnover. That's the one side. The other side is the internal part, like um, if you think of smart production, if you think of also office process automation, all these kind of internal things which help in the end to save money. That's the other part. And as a basis, and, and that's again what we talked at the moment, the fundament is the culture. So changing the mindset, opening up, making the people aware of what's happening at the moment. And so I think on the one hand side, saving costs, on the other hand side, making new turnover. And for me, always the more exciting part was creating new turnover. So your your job is really mm, challenging. I mean, you need to follow the market trends. You need to educate yourself constantly because you look for something what would be lasting in or would be available or would be working in 10 years or 20 years or five years so you you really need to look uh, long term and i'm wondering how do you mm, how do you find inspiration how do you educate yourself i don't know do you go to conferences around the industry or you read the blogs books so because you did it in a couple different companies right so there are completely different businesses and you need to disrupt those businesses so how do you do it yeah yeah I, I think um, what helps me always a lot is is my network. And I think that's, I, I of course, I go to conferences. I also, yeah, the classical way, online trainings, whatever. But what helps me a lot is talking with people, meeting people. Um, and, and I started that during the Corona time to schedule um, like um, coffee calls with just random people around the world. And um, we just had like 15-minute coffee calls when all people were in home office and we just discussed these things like ideas, what are you doing, what are I doing, how can we support each other. And that gives a lot of ideas also into new directions. If you just talk with people from other industries and they see things completely different and you are in your industry and think, okay, that could be an approach, that could be something which could also help us. That's really interesting. So you, you talk like 15 minutes call, like intro call, getting to know each other and see how we can help each other. So then you have the the people in the right show, on the right show, yes. and then you yes. can. Absolutely. And and often the, the value is in the end, not that you make a contract with each other, but just to exchange and exchange ideas. And that's already a big, big value sometimes. And also... Um, this diversity with, um, if you talk with just people from somewhere around the globe, 
and ask them how are you to do you approach this what's your topics at the moment and we are in europe you're in asia or america wherever and then you you get new ideas and new thoughts and can develop further in in and and also learn nice i i think that's uh, that's a great approach um i think that's a great approach and how about maybe because you work on a digital transformation on the hardware side and on the software side and sometimes you mix those two is it somehow different for you like i mean if you work on a purely software or hardware and software yeah i i think it um it depends on the companies where they come from so if you come from a hardware company like a machine producer it's always easier to make hardware so the people have the mindset they have the knowledge even if it's it's like um let's say digital hardware if it's like a, a smartphone or a screen for a for a machine or whatever it is it's always easier for the people and the software part you need to learn so that's the company needs to learn it you need some time you implement like agile um, it's new for such a company and then you implement that it takes some time half a year until it's running then you grow and and go forward and if you look at other companies who come more from the software side it's much easier for them to do that so it's really related what people do you have and what history do you have okay how about this you have an idea what you want to do inside some company you you make a strategy and say now is the time for execution right and I assume if you are looking for a solution, you have three ways. Either you buy company from a market, if you are a bigger company, or um, or, or maybe you do it in-house, you build it in-house, or find an external partner. How do you make this, this, uh, this decision? Like how to approach it? Yeah, I, I think important is that you keep the knowledge in-house, which is relevant for your future. And that's a very important thing. And, and that can be methodologies, that can be technology, that can be business knowledge, whatever. That can be really in, go into a lot of direction. And what I saw at companies is sometimes that they mixed that up and that they gave things outside which would be relevant for their future, for the machine of the future or for the chemical processes of the future, whatever it is, this company. And do some things in-house which are not really their value proposition for the future. And I think that needs to be clear from strategy side, that you really decide what is the things which are value for our industry in the future. And that must be in-house. That's very, very important. And what I also see in companies sometimes or saw also in the past is that um, decisions are sometimes delegated to outside. And very important decisions um, where the knowledge is not there, for example, in the software area. And where things are outside decided from consultant companies, consultancies, and then it's the wrong decision because they don't know how the internal processes work, how the culture ticks, how the people work with each other. They have just a view. And that's why I think these decisions have to be taken inside. Yeah. And that's that's some important points, and and I think there are often problems exactly in that area, and then you have unsuccessful pro uh, um, projects. So that's a challenge. 
Yeah, I fully agree here. I, I think the, the leaders, especially on the product side, should be inside the company because this is the core. But what I experienced, and I'm wondering if you experienced that in your career. So mm, I worked with, uh, my company worked with uh, one of the big four guys in the US. Uh, we work on, worked on three different products. And before they were pretty unsuccessful, I think for four or five years with, uh, with external partners or doing it in-house. So the, the issue was in-house, the people were, um, in my case, right, that the, they are, they were not really educated in the modern stack regarding the technology. They haven't got an experience, uh, and they were working for a pretty long time on a legacy code and really big in-house product. So the, the company has a problem that they couldn't uh, do it in-house because it was too slow. The people were not right or with, uh, uh, let's say low cost, uh, providers because the quality was so bad and you know, it was really hard. And I'm wondering in, if, if in your case, you experienced that in, in the past, right? Because it's really hard, I think, to innovate in-house or make something new in-house where you have already the culture established and approach to building stuff established. So have you experienced that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. It's, it's always a topic to, um, yeah, to, to build also this outside view and, um, it's it's um especially this idea view so so having new ideas having new um um new thoughts coming in and and that's a very big topic i'm actually in involved in one startup which works exactly in that direction and it's it's more coming from the strategy side and um it's called be up and what it does is there is it's a it's a crowd strategy startup so what we do is we have a crowd of 7,000 innovators worldwide. So people from really different backgrounds, different industries, different mindset. And we drop in such cases. That means really um, cases like, um, in the end, these are case studies. So we develop with the customer case study, drop that into this innovator crowd. They build groups, work on cases, build ideas, and then you have a lot of different ideas. And then, of course, these ideas are very different than the ideas in-house. So you can mix that up and have a very broad view. And, and that's, that's also very important, of course, to have, um, to have a broader view and not only this internal view. Let's tackle those, uh, those startups um, because you work for such a long time in a big corporation. And I know that you are involved in a few startups, right? So you are the co-founder co and... You worked in various startups. How different it is, you know, changing from the corporation to, to this kind of world. That's that's a very very good question. <laughs> yeah, and I I um yeah I'm involved in in at the moment four startup streams in the end, and I did long time this in parallel. So I worked in a classical company in in as head of digital transformation. And, and in parallel in the startup world. And it's, it's, I have to say, it sometimes was very hard to switch the mind. So you, you are in the classical world and you are in the classical processes, which are sometimes slow. It takes time. You have to push again that it goes forward. You, you need to align with a huge group of people until you have a decision. 
Um, so, so it's quite, quite slow sometimes and quite hard to get through it. But very organized, very structured, um, very clear how processes run. And then you jump into the startups and you just do. You, you just um, sometimes forget to think. You just do and try things. And if it's running, go forward. If not, just leave it and do something else. So it's a whole different world. And I have to say, sometimes it was really hard for me to switch back during the day. I'm in the classical world. In the evening, I switched to the startup world and had to think completely different. And, and how about the responsibility, your responsibilities in those companies? So, I mean, here you, you are involved in digital transformation, right? And here, uh, if they are startups, probably you need to wear many hats. And I'm just wondering, uh, what are your core speciality or core expertise, let's say, in those startup world? Yeah, yeah. So, so of course, you start in your role in a startup. So that means you start as I'm, I'm often responsible for technology part. So, so that's my core role where I come from. But um, suddenly you notice, oh, technology is running. That's not a problem. So I have to do sales. Then you do sales. And then you notice, oh, marketing is also important. So you jump into marketing. And then um, ah, finance, also very important. So you have to do finance. And that's why these roles switch all the time. So you do in the end everything. And legal is coming up, then you do some legal stuff and some contracts. And so, so it's really um, very diverse if you are in the startup world and you can't just say, that's not my job. I don't do that. I don't do um, marketing because I'm, I'm not used to do that. You have to learn it and very fast and then you just do it. <laughs> Otherwise, it will not work. And that's my experience from now all these startups. Cool, great. And at what stages are you in those startups? I mean, are you doing the product market fit? Are you looking for financing? Are you scaling the company? Um, could you maybe tell more about the ventures and what yeah. stages yeah. they are? So, so it's different, completely different. Um, so we have, um, when I start with the biggest one at the moment is Quareo. That's a student platform. What we do is we connect students and companies. And how it works is you have a problem as a company, doesn't matter what. For example, you need something small, a marketing video. So you put that into the platform and we connect you with the fitting students. And that can be really something like a legal analysis that can also be a chemical analysis. A lot runs in the marketing area, in the, in the IT area. And sometimes it's also a huge group of students who work together and build a whole product. And this service at the moment, we are, um, yeah, we are really on a good way now. And this year we plan to make the first turnovers. And um, we, are, we, are, we have an investor there, so financing is fine. And um, so it's really exciting year there to see which direction we go. And I hope till end of the year we can say, okay, it's now a growth company. We, we grow now this model. Um, then I said before about BeUp. BeUp is quite mature. The model is very stable since seven years already. I, I'm only involved since recently, so I was not there in the beginning. And there it's more the growth phase. So we look now how to scale that, how to, to run that with also bigger clients because there is a huge need also for bigger companies to, 
to have the model with um, crowd innovation, which is quite new and I think not really used in the market. Uh, a lot of companies still go to a classical strategy consultancy and tell them, hey, how can I grow my market in Southern America or which products do I need to grow? And I think there is a huge potential in this, this crowd market. And that's what we want to leverage there. So that's already quite mature, more the growth phase. And then I'm also involved in a Colibra consulting company that's at the moment um, coming really from the data governance, classical data governance consulting side and going now with um, a partnership with Colibra into this Colibra data governance market. And there we start now this collaboration and we will see how that runs. And um, then the, the most young one is, is quite a fancy idea, <laughs> quite, quite wild. Um, it's Aviana and there we, we have developed already since years on avatars. So digital avatars, virtual avatars. And we try to connect them with classical corporate systems like ERP, CRM systems, and they can learn data out of that and then you can talk with them. So you don't use your systems anymore like SAP transactions. I know all people love that, but anyway, <laughs> we will we'll replace that hopefully. And the idea is to you talk to your avatar and ask what is my turnover in this region in the last month and then you get the information instead of doing your SAP transaction or whatever it was before. But that's really a, a R&D phase that's really early. So you have quite a lot of things on your plate. Yes. <laughs> um, that, that's cool. Um, I'm just wondering, like, do you have any significant lessons learned based on your career. I mean, I feel that you have really uh, good experience with working with people, dealing with uh, change. Uh, maybe is there something that you could share what worked for you or what you learned during those years with the listeners, what they could apply in, in their uh, yeah. work? Yeah, you, you said people, and, and I think that's already a, a main point. People are everything. So if you build and have a great team, that's everything. And they will, will push you forward. And if you have a great group together and can work with, uh, with, with great people together, it's, it's impressive, just impressive. And um, I, I will you give, give you an example. Um, at Quarero, we have, for example, such um, social media services in the meantime, which means um, you notice that companies struggle a lot with managing their social media accounts. It's a lot of work. You need graphic designers. You need textures. You need to have something which exciting and, and not only posting about your product. It's not working. And so we made a, a kind of social media service in Guerrero for customers. And we tested that with students. Students run that in the meantime completely. And interesting is people make there the huge difference. We have some students, they just drive it. They love it. They make great graphics. They make the text. They make everything. And of course, you can also have, we, we tried there a lot. And if you use other people, it's not working at all. So you need people with drive, with, with, um, which are active, passionate, which are loving what they like to do. 
And that's this big difference. And that's, for example, in that service, I see it massively. Mm. But how do you, um, maybe not test, but how do you, how do you find those people? Like, because uh, during those talks, especially with the soft skills, it's really hard to recognize those A players. I call them A players, right? So they could talk a lot, but sometimes the execution is not there, right? Do you have any tips on how to recognize those pure talents? How do you do it? Yeah, so so with the students, it's quite easy because we run just project and then we see how it's running. So we see which people are really the A players and which people have the drive to go. And very interesting as an insight, it's not related to the maturity. So you can't say a, a master or a PhD is better than a bachelor. And that was a big insight what I saw. I have. We have great bachelor students. They have a quality which is massively better than PhDs. And, and so you can't tell that. It's really more the inside of the people and not, not the education because they are able to learn what they need in very fast time. And, and so that's, that's from the student side. And of course, in the company side, it's more complex. So you, you have applications and you select one and then you hope it's running. You hope it's a it's a good it's a good um, uh, sentence. Um, and I have the last question that I wanted to ask you. Uh, could you recommend any books, blogs, conferences, podcasts, anything what was influential for you um, during those years? Yeah, what? yeah. Let me think about that. I'm. I think the main part is what we talked before. It's my connections in LinkedIn. It's really people there I discuss. And and I made really, really great connections with people and, and a lot of them are friends in the meantime also. We exchange often and, and I even, I haven't uh, told that, but uh, Aviana is a company where a friend of mine is also shareholder or co-founder and I never met her in person. So I, I, I met her recently in person, but when we founded the company, we haven't met. So we have only met online. And um, interesting for me, it was also there. Um, you meet then such a person in real time and it's like you work together since years. So it's quite fascinating for me also this effect to work online together. And so that's why I think my most influential part is really the one-to-one -one connections with people, Having coffee calls, talking, discussing about ideas, um, brainstorming, co-creation, this thing. Nice. I think it's a great lesson. I think everybody should do it. I'm, I'm doing the same. It's and, and the learning piece is way more faster for me. So I, I really appreciate this lesson. So Marcus, thank you for a really interesting talk and your time today. Thanks a lot, Matt. It was great. It was a pleasure to be here with you today. And yeah, wish you all the best for the future. Follow Matt on LinkedIn and subscribe to the Better Tech Leadership newsletter.